Let us turn to our Bibles then, please. Open with me to the, the, the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, please, chapter um, 13 this morning. Um, we're going to be looking at, well, membership, belonging to a church, but I want to take a different angle this morning. I want to bring a few, a few points out of, of what it is to be a Christian, or at least the marks of a Christian, which is our title, the marks of a Christian. There's many marks, but there's three here that I see quite clearly that each believer, those who belong to local fellowship, should at least possess and carry within their walk. And then at the last, I'm just going to bring out um, a biblical foundation just in a very short moment at the end of the service where we get membership from. And there's many examples, but I want to just close with that thought at the end. So there'll be three wee points, short points before that. And then I'll just close with the, the, the scriptural foundation for belonging to a church. So the title this morning is The Marks of a Christian. The theme is Belonging to a Local Church, which is the Body of Christ. So Hebrews chapter 13, <coughs> excuse me this morning, verses 13 through to 17 just. So Hebrews 13, verses 13 through to 17. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city but we are looking for a city that is yet to come. And through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly professes his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account and do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that be a, would be of no benefit to you. So, Father, we just do pray, God, that, Lord, you would bless this bit of Scripture to us, Lord, as we, Lord, as we look at various things throughout it, God, that above all things, Father, we would hear your voice, God, that we would recognize your word, and that, Father, it would bless us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, belonging to a local church, local church membership, as something as a young Christian um, I think I've said before, I struggled with for the first three years of my own personal faith. So I want to be quite honest with that. I wasn't quite sure what it was about. I had various ideas, if you like. Um, it took me three years before I submitted myself to a church. I remained in that church for 11 years. The only time I left that church was to go to college and come here to this church to train, you mind. That was the only, so I, I, I understand the wrestle, but I also understand the benefit of laying roots in a church where you believe God has you because that's where you grow, and that's where you're shaped and you're molded. Um, it's easy just to, just to go here, there, and everywhere, and, and have no real accountability in your life, but as a Christian, we don't grow in them situations. And personally, I've experienced much growth in my life when I was there through the high and the low um, seasons of a local church when I committed to that membership. So it brings responsibility and accountability into the individual believer. Now, there is the day that some people would feel that they don't need to belong to um, a local fellowship. And a man called Jeffrey King, an old-time preacher, said this. He says, the New Testament knows nothing of freelance Christianity. It was a corporate witness of the redeemed fellowship that was used by the Spirit of God in the early church. Thank you, um, Julie. So what we see in the early church is a Spirit-filled, committed church was mighty in the hands of God, and it still is. And maybe you feel, like this one, that the church is full of hypocrites, and therefore you're not going to become part 
of a church that's filled with so many hypocrites. Well, there's a nice quote for you, and it comes from a man called A.R. Adams, and he says this, don't stay away from church because there are so many hypocrites. He says there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more. And here's what I want to say to that. We all need grace. Not one of us, neither you or I, have got it perfect. We've not got it all right. We will make mistakes. And it's when we make mistakes in our life, the body of, of Christ, the church, our church family, is then meant to step in and help us, not cut us down. And I want to say that quite clearly and quite publicly. You will make mistakes, and I will make mistakes. And maybe you haven't made mistakes, and you've seen other people's mistakes, and you've questioned them. Listen, today, God willing, it doesn't. But if it comes where you need help, or you make a mistake, or something just doesn't turn out, it's then you will truly value a fellowship that doesn't judge you but helps you as a family does. Because that's what we see. We need grace. It's not that we're hypocrites. It's just sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes the flesh raises its old head. And in that moment, we can look like hypocrites, but we're not. And that's where we need grace. Every believer needs grace, and every believer needs to belong to some place, some fellowship. We need it. And it's important, because most importantly, and more above church membership, is every person needs to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our first point this morning, salvation before membership. If you're taking notes, salvation before membership. So the first mark of every church member is he ought to be saved or she ought to be saved. C.W. Kieranham said this, church membership means nettle after death, but knowing Jesus as Savior means everything means everything. Don't bypass that. Church membership is absolutely powerless to save a man. We know that Jesus alone has the power to save, not, not any works of us. And many stumble at this truth. And maybe you stumble at this truth. I, I often said years ago when I tried to come to terms with the grace of salvation that if all you had to do was set up a direct debit payment, in some ways it would be easier to grasp the grace of God that's been given to us. Consider the rich young ruler in the Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. Now, he asked Jesus a question pertaining to salvation. Listen to what he says. He says, Jesus, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What good thing must I do? This man attempted to do things right, and to be fair to him, he lived well. No doubt about it. He lived well. But he carried within him the thing that all men carry from birth, a sinner's heart. And Jesus, looking to help this man, wanted to expose his heart. Not that Jesus could see it, but this rich man could see it. And that's what the gospel does. It, it helps you and I see our true state before God. It's not that he needs to see it. He knows too well. And he exposes this man's heart that the young man may see his need and understand his works are unable to save him. And Jesus says this to him. It's interesting. He says, listen. You've lived well. Now, I'm going to give you one more thing to do, he says. Go and sell all your possessions, everything you have. Now, remember, he's a rich young man. Sell all your possessions. Go and give them to the poor, and you will have lots of treasure in heaven in the next life. And then come and follow me. That's all he asked. And what we read is this young man was absolutely stumped. All of a sudden, the, the salvation that he desired was too costly for him to attain and that day, God revealed to him and within him an idol, and it was an idol of wealth, of money. It's something we all struggle in our lives as idols, 
don't be too hard on yourself. It's why we need a Savior. He wanted to show this man that within him there was a greater God, something that he desired more even than salvation. It was this wealth, this, this idol of money. And even though this young man lived well, what you read when you study it is he broke two of the greatest commandments because he, didn't, he did not love the Lord with all his heart because he loved wealth more. He did not love his neighbor as himself because to go and sell his wealth and give it to them was too costly. He didn't love them enough. See, all of our good works are of no good. And Jesus that day taught him, and he teaches us all, that without Christ, we simply cannot keep the law of God. Our works, no matter how good, are not good enough. And that's, that's a simple message, but it's something we need to be reminded, especially when we're speaking about belonging to a fellowship. Because it means nothing outside of Christ. It really doesn't. But thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way that you and I get to go to heaven is through him because of him, and if he says so, it's, it's that reason and that reason alone. Works are not simply mentioned when it comes to faith, not works of any kind, and certainly not joining a, a church. Now, Ephesians 2 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not good works. And I know this is elementary, but we have to let it. It's not your own doing, it's a gift of God. Isn't it wonderful to know that we're saved this morning, not because of anything that we've ever done? Isn't it good to be reminded of that? Maybe your, your, your wick's been rough. Maybe your walk's rough. Is it nice to be reminded that it doesn't really matter where you're at? In essence, your salvation was never about your feeling, never about your, what you attained or, or what you did or built. It was solely on Him. It's still on Him. The Bible still says in Acts 16, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Works just is not mentioned, and certainly not church membership. But I want to just say this this morning, church. For you personally, have you an assurance of salvation this morning? Don't assume. Don't assume that everybody sitting in here, perhaps for years, is saved. Let us make sure that we have a testimony. Let us make sure that we have an assurance that we have, we know what it is to repent before God. We know what it is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone and trust in Him alone. We know what it is to confess Him as our Savior. Make sure this morning that we have an assurance of salvation. Why? Because good works, no matter how good, can't save a man. That was the mistake of the rich young ruler. Lord, what good thing can I do to receive eternal life? And the answer was simply given to him, no good thing, no good thing we can do to earn salvation. It's a, it's a gift. So that's very important. Remember, belonging to church will not save you. Membership means nittle after death, but knowing Jesus means everything. So that's the first wee mark of a believer. They're saved, salvation before membership. The second mark for a believer, one that's associated with a local fellowship according to the Scriptures, is a person who is separated from the world. Uh, a person who is separated from the world. You see that in verse 13. Now, the word church itself means the called out ones. That's what church means, called out. And all who are saved, according to the Scriptures, have been called out of this evil world by God. I love that thought. Now, let us read verse 13 together because we can read over it and not really see our own lives in it. Let us, there's where you come in, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. Here's the thing. When a person's saved, in a way they leave the city. They go outside of the camp. Have you noticed that about your walk? 
all of a sudden you were in the middle of everything and part of everything. And all of a sudden, when you start walking and living for the Lord, you find yourself somewhat in the outside gates, outside of the camp. A believer who follows the Lord will become an outsider from the world in which they once lived. The Christian, by no choice of his own, but by simply following Jesus, becomes a type of disgrace and carries a type of disgrace that Christ carried when they led him outside of the camp to Calvary's hill to the cross. Now, every person who seeks to be part of a fellowship, a local church, ought to know what it is to be outside of the camp, outside of the city of sin. You can't be living for the Lord Jesus and, and engulfed in the city. You can't be running with the heathen and try to walk with those who have been cast out from the camp. There's something about being separated as a believer. Not perfect. It doesn't mean we don't live in the world. We very much do. We impact it. We're a light in it. But we're not of it. We no longer live the way we lived. We no longer deal the way we deal. For some of us, we no longer make money the way we made it. There's sacrifice. There's sacrifice in coming and knowing and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So outside the camp and separated from the world and carrying their cross, that simply means daily, Paul says, dead to this world and alive to Christ. Jesus says to this church, in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me to this new kingdom that he's speaking to, referring to, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's a daily sacrifice of carrying our cross. We need to nail our flesh. We, every day we were presented with new opportunities to do wrong, new opportunities, opportunities to go back into the city. And that's what Paul's saying. We need a daily sacrifice and, and, and put to death our desires to be back inside the camp of this world. One commentator put it this way, let that man be prepared to give up earthly ease and comfort and be ready to bear the sufferings that may come his way when he seeks to go after the things of God. So that's the message to all men. One man put it simply like this, Christian, no cross, no crown. Simple as that. No cross, no crown. Don't expect to live within the camp and then live within glory. There's no cross, there's no crown. Any man has a cross, he'll find himself no longer fitting into this world and its ways. What I see here is that the early church, they lived for Christ. They were serving the Lord, but the difference that I see with them and many, many believers in the 21st century is they lived for the Lord with their eyes fixed on eternity. The, touch, the Scripture touches on it. When our eyes is fixed on this world, we'll run after it. We'll live as if we're never leaving it. We, we will... We will tie ourselves to it and leave ourselves in bondage for the things of God. What I see is they weren't in love with the world anymore because they were, but they're not. Paul says in our text, we are looking for a city that is yet to come. Church, remember that. Remember that this is not it. Thank God this is not it, but remember it's not it. This present suffering, this present hardship, this present world, thank God, is not it. There's more to come. Although I'm not too keen about the crossover, the transfer into the next land, there's something about it I'm looking forward to. But the transition over, I'm not that chuffed about. So Paul, 
tells us that this church, they, 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 they were looking for this city to come and they lived and they served the Lord in that manner with their eyes firmly fixed on eternity. Now, Jesus says this to the church. He says, they are not of the world. They're separated. Any church that blends in with this world and, and fits in with its doctrines, it's not a church. It's a false church. It's a cult. But as Jesus says, they, the church, are not of the world, just as I am not. As the Lord Jesus was taken outside of the camp, church, if you find yourself outside of the camp as a Christian, rejoice. It means you're of God. You're saved. You no longer fit in to the camp. So that's the, that's the second mark. The first mark, again, was to be saved. The second mark of a believer is to be set apart and living for God outside the city of sin. The third mark of a believer, and the last one this morning, is the believers to be a good witness to the community in which they serve. You see that in verse 15. Let us read it together. Through Jesus, which is the power of the Holy Spirit within the church, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly professes His name. Here's we see something about a believer that's part of a church. They're not afraid to profess and confess Christ. There's a witness in them. They'll not, find, they'll not be shying away when, when they're asked or, or they find themselves in a position where somebody needs pointed to Christ. They, they, they will openly witness the name of Jesus. See, a profession of Christ is necessary in the life of the believer, but it's also necessary if we desire to see others saved and fulfill the Great Commission. In that, I see another, another trait of, of the early church. They were generous spirited. Generous spirited. Write that down. We see that in verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for the such sacrifices God is pleased. Now, we live in a time when, when people do good, they actually take videos of it and put it online. And I never actually copped on to this, to somebody actually highlighted the, the fact that why is it that these people who, who are trying to do so good are, are making it a, a business online, giving money to homeless? And, and listen, that's not how we work. We, we, we bless people and help people because we care for them and not for the public eye. But there's a generation now that don't know what it really is to do good, to share with others. A church, we would be given an account of how we lived and how we acted and, and how we treated. We never forget the Samaritans around us. And sometimes the very person that God has placed in your way to help will be that Samaritan, the, place, the people you don't even like. The Samaritan was, was, was not liked. They were chastised in, in Jesus' day. And he used the good Samaritan as an example. And, and often the people that we are going to minister to, we might not necessarily want to or desire to. There's no sacrifice in, in helping a friend. We do that without thinking. It's when we go above that and around that and outside of that mindset. And that's what we see with the early church. And, and it says it actually it's a sacrifice that when we make, it pleases God himself. A man by the name of, of Douglas uh, Mador said this, church membership does not make a Christian any more than owning a piano makes him a musician. And the simple point is this, becoming a church member does not enhance our, our, our witness or our walk with God. It's out of the overflow of our walk with God, what Christ has done in us, that we become committed and submit ourselves to a church fellowship. A man can't be, be saved through his works, but a saved man can be known through his works. Now, the Christian ought to know, be known by his life, not by his affiliation or membership. 
Christian, remember, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that we do good works. It's, it's that prompting and empowering of the Lord that causes us to live for God. It's not a gospel of works in the flesh. It's, it's out of the overflow we naturally desire all of a sudden to do good to others and to share with others and have a generous spirit, the kind that is a sacrifice and pleases God. So that's the three marks of the believer that I found within this text that's referring to the local church. They're saved, or they're set apart, and they're a good wit witness to the community in which they're, they're part of. That's vital. That's the sort of members that we, we desire in this fellowship. Let me put it that road. People who have a testimony, people who are living for God, people who are not afraid to witness, and people whose testimony, that's important, our public testimony, what our neighbor says of us is honoring unto the Lord. Now, I just want to close in one thought, and it's simply the, the scriptural foundation that I see within this text that I read this morning for church membership, or I like to call it belonging. Um, a man called um, Charles Clayton Morrison, he, he mentions one very important qualification that, that must be present when it comes to belonging to a local fellowship. And here it is. He says, the church, the Christian church, is the only society in the world in which membership is based upon the qualification that the candidate shall be unworthy of its membership. I think that tops it for me. I don't know where you were when the Lord found you, but I don't even want to tell you where I was. And if any of us don't realize that it's a privilege, it's an honor to be part of the Lord's church. Hey? In fact, it's not open to everybody and anybody. It's only the called out ones, those who've been saved. And if somebody had told me that when I first come to faith, I think I had been in membership a lot quicker. What an honor. What a privilege. Do you know something? We are not worthy of anything. And one of the biggest cancers in churches is pride's got in where they've got a wee bit high-minded. They've sort of forgot a wee bit of the lowly land where Jesus walked, become useless in the hands of Jesus. I thank God we're not that sort of church. But you know, if you're really contemplating what church membership, understand that you're not worthy. And if you think you are worthy, it's probably not for you. But when you understand that you're not worthy of it, it's something that God invites you to do because He called you and saved you, and He wants to plant you in somewhere where you'll grow, where not only will the community be blessed by your growth, but you'll be blessed, your family will be blessed, your children will be blessed, your, your business will be blessed, your work will be blessed. Do you see? When we're established and we grow roots, roots in the Lord, things change in us first. Then our witness becomes powerful. Amen. So, very quickly, verse 17, I don't want to go on too long, and I don't plan to. Have confidence in your leaders, submit to their authority, because they watch over you as people who are going to give an account. Now, I've heard this preached, submit to your leaders, submit. Wouldn't go down that path at all. Verse 17, I just want to bring out the biblical truth that there is local church. Some people struggle with it. And I want to say this to you. Ask yourself this question. If there is no biblical requirement for a believer to belong to a local fellowship, a local church, then the question you and I must ask is, what leadership, what elders were these early believers to submit to? If there was no need, and we could just go to church and church, who were these leaders that were put in place for the, the saints at each church to submit to. Now, the New Testament presents to us 
that every believer in the early church belonged to a church. Now, a man once said to me that there's no case in the New Testament for churches, that it was actually just a few Christians met in houses, and that was it. Now, listen, there was house churches. Of course there was. It was, it was in its infancy. The church was birthed. But, but I want to pull out to you very clearly. There was many churches in the, in the early church. And if you, if you follow Israel and any archaeology today, you'll see that they're unearthing many many Christian churches. I've seen one with my own eyes a few years ago when I was over. But here's the thing. Let me just stick to the Word. Paul alone wrote to seven churches, and them letters we have within our book. He wrote to the churches in Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesians, Philippi, Galatia, and Thessalonica. There's also seven churches that are in Asia Minor, Asia Major, Asia Minor, sorry, Asia Minor, in Revelation, sorry, in Asia Minor. Ephesus, we already mentioned, there was Smyrna, there was Pergamos, Thyatira, there was Sardis, there was Philadelphia, there was Laodicea. Then what about the mother church, Jerusalem? The New Testament is filled with churches, is what I want to say to you. Don't believe that lie which some people for some reason want to say. That was just a load of Christians just going everywhere. God is a God of order. The letters that we read are the epistles to churches. This is not man-made, and if it was, I'd have no part in it. These were all local churches that were filled with saints, that were overseen by elders and supported by deacons. The Bible teaches that. Early believers, without doubt, belonged to a church. Now, listen, I want to say this to you, because I know a few, not too many, thankfully, but I know a few Christians that just say they don't need to belong to a church. Now, loneliness is one of the biggest killers in our society today, young and old. It's one of the biggest cancers in our own society, loneliness. People's too busy to call for people, and they're just left on their own. Now, there's many Christians feel that they are all right on their own, and I want to say you're not. You're not going to be all right on your own, and I've experienced the feeling that I sometimes think I'd be all right on my own. The truth is we're not. Now, the Apostle John was the only disciple, the Apostle, that wasn't slaughtered for, or martyred. Um, but we know that he was banished to the island of Patmos. And this punishment was being likened as worse than death. And that's where he was banished to. And I want to say this to you. No Christian was ever meant to be alone. No Christian was ever meant to be put on an island which is likened to as worse than death. And I know that some Christians can be difficult. I know some people are harder to love than others, and I know I don't fit into that category. But maybe you and maybe I aren't exactly always that easy either. You understand? But I can tell you in this church, I've had people say things to me that perhaps hurt, but I've got over it. But I've got other things said to me that has healed me, has strengthened me, I stood in Armagh after four or five years being saved, made the decision, I said, I'm going back to the world. And a woman just got behind me and started praying in tongues. Didn't understand what she was even saying. And something happened that moment. And God touched my life and I went on for Jesus. Now listen, the amount of times my wife in the earliest stages of our marriage had to encourage me on. And the many times, well, to be fair, not too many times, I had to encourage her on in the faith. 
If I was an island, I can guarantee you now I'd be shipwrecked. God knows where. Don't believe the lie that you're meant to be an island. You're not. <clears throat> Your presence here means a lot. There's families away ministering this morning. There are youths away this morning. There's a few families away back to South Africa. They're missed. The pews is empty, but they're not here. Your presence means a lot. Don't think that you're not valued. Don't think that you have no place. And don't believe that you are meant to be an island. Amen? You're not meant to be an island. Belonging to a local church is vital. And it's why Paul warns in Hebrews, all believers against neglecting the meeting of the gather in the local church, because it's not good for them. And it's certainly not good for the church. So listen, I'm finished. I'm finished. Remember this as I'm finished, because I'm finished. We don't join the church. We're born into it by the Spirit of God. We are adopted into the family of God by the grace of God. We are grafted into the universal church, the body of Christ, His church. And let us step into what He has for us and be faithful to His Word. And I want to encourage you, for some of you this morning, you're, you're visiting, and that's grand, and that's all good. Some of you are testing the water. That's wisdom. But some of you have planted roots here, and you believe that God has you here. I'm going to encourage you to join us next week as we're going to pray over you and welcome you officially into the fellowship. You could be here 30 years. I don't really know. There's nothing else demanded of you. It's a, it's a sacrifice that, that Scripture requires, but nothing changes as such. Other than I'll say this, I want to say this. It's not in my notes, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I want to say this. The early church was committed to one another. They didn't always agree with one another. There is Barney's. You can read about them. They didn't always get it right. They weren't perfect, but they loved each other. They loved each other. They helped each other. And when these things were right, they were committed. We read that in Acts that the Lord added to the church daily. Those are being saved. And thank God we're saying we things like this. But what I want to say to you is this. As a member, if there's a point comes where you feel that this church is no longer for you, or there's something happens that you don't quite understand, but you decide just to go anyway, I want to encourage you, that's not how families operate. Families talk. And if we, we, we have already prayed for families and sent them on. There's another family soon leaving, shortly after Christmas they're moving, and we're going to be praying for them and, and praying God's blessing into their life. And that's how families operate. I want to encourage this. Leave well. Have a conversation with myself. If there's something wrong that we can't resolve, we will shake hands, we'll still be in fellowship, we'll pray for you and we'll send you out the door. Don't just walk out the door because you don't do that at home. Isn't that right? We don't do that at home. That's my only purse with membership. It brings accountability. It means I just don't walk out the door. It means I just don't throw the, the dummy out of the pram and, and, and wreck the house. You understand? There, there's a family, regardless, respect each other. We love each other. And if the time comes that something's not right, we talk. Is that fair enough? As family, we talk. That's what membership is. The biggest requirement for me is we don't act against each other badly. If you leave well, here's the king, you can always come back well. All right? You leave bad, it's always hard to come back. So, Father, we thank you, God, for the simplicity of your word. Well, Lord, we see that, that, Father, the early church indeed was committed. God, they did have, Lord, a love for God and a love for the Word and a love for the local church. And Lord, I just pray that you continue, Lord, to 
Lord, grow your, your church, the local church, in each county, God, in each townland, Lord, in each nation, Lord, in these days, that, that Father, has, as the old enemy has seek to divide the very family home, God, and Lord, we live in a, an age, Father, where the families are so destroyed, and, and fatherless children, and mothers, motherless children, and Lord, we just see the mess that, we, that our world is coming into, God, because there's, there's so much division, and, and, and Lord, loneliness, and brokenness, and Lord, we thank you that your church is a place, God, where, Lord, you say you're a father to the fatherless. God, it's a place, Father, where the, where the outcast, Lord, can be brought in, and, Lord, his heart can be healed, and his, his life can be restored. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, with salvation comes restoration. Lord, you promise to restore that which the locusts God has eaten. And Lord, I pray this would be, a, Lord, a house, Lord, a, a place where life can, Lord, be restored and life can be built up, God. Lord, that we would find ourselves, although, God, we're very different, but that we would indeed have all things in common through Christ today, God, as a church. Lord, we thank you for the souls that you're adding to this fellowship. Lord, we thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there's a fire, God, arising within us, Lord. And we, we pray that that fire will continue to rise up and burn in these days, God, that you would fill us afresh, God, that we would be known as a community, Lord, that loves each other. As your word says, that the people will know your people because of their love for one another. Lord, how the enemy seeks to, Lord, sow discord and divide and, and Lord, not just break the, the, the family home and, the, and that, but the very church, Lord, he seeks to infiltrate. And, but, Lord, we speak Jesus into this church, God, and, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would, Lord, be, be, be around us and in us, God, that, Lord, the very angels of heaven, God, would guard this, this fellowship, Lord, that we would continue, Lord, to see men and women set free from the bondage of sin, that we would see your people, God, Lord, rise up, and those who are backslidden, restored, God, those who are discouraged in heart, God, that they too would be restored, Lord, that you would be glorified, that, Father, we would be a people, God, that walks in obedience to your word, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.